Warriors Life 2022 podcast uh, episode two, and we're very lucky to have Cameron George, Warriors CEO, here with us again. Uh, Cameron, thank you for joining us um, again at this busy time of the pre-season, and um, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm well, thanks, uh, Will. It's good to be here, and um, now we're on the eve of a, another campaign, and um, as we strive uh, to achieve our ultimate goal, which um, yeah, we're very excited about the opportunity we've got this year. Uh, but first of all, mate, obviously uh, a difficult time over there in southeast Queensland with the floods and everything. How uh, how's the club negotiated that? Obviously, you missed a trial. Um, other than that, how have the have the preparations been um, been impacted by by what's happened there weather wise? Yeah, look, there's been a number of field sessions we've missed out on and so forth, but look, the reality of the situation is, you know, a lot of people were badly impacted and you know, to miss a couple of training runs in the scheme of things is insignificant. You know, people lost their houses and, and so on. So, um, you know, it is what it is and you just deal with it and you've got to move on and navigate through it a little bit differently to how you would have done if it wasn't raining. And um, we've, we've been able to come up with some other initiatives to get training done, but... Uh, now we'll be ready to go next week. And how's the stadium looking? Is that going to be okay for, for round one? Yeah, we're playing at the Sunshine Coast. So, um, okay. you know, we were up there yesterday. The training got washed out. Um, but the reality is everything's fine. It dries pretty quick here. And those stadiums are first-class stadiums. So the drainage is very good. Um, and, and just quickly, you're from Lismore. Um, we've all seen um, the horrific scenes down there. That must be uh, pretty difficult for you to see um, as well. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty tough, mate. It's um, you know, it's just heartbreaking to see so many people's lives being you know turned upside down with this this flood. Um, and I, I suppose a lot of people probably can't visualise it or appreciate it, but there's just thousands of acres of land that's just been washed away in terms of cropping and you know, livestock and fencing and I was talking to some mates the other day that you know, are farmers down there and you know between them they don't even have a car or a hammer you know, everything's been washed away so it's not only what's happened now it's how they're going to fix it because there's no machinery um, you know, they can't get, can't get it um, you know, it's going to take months and months and months, if not years, for a lot of these places to be fixed up. I was uh, living in Brisbane when the 2011 floods hit, and, and it just seems like a carbon copy almost for the for the whole region. Um, yeah, heartbreaking to see from over here. Um, moving on to, you, you're well settled in, in Redcliffe now, the club. Um, just wanted to ask about the, the living situation of the some players and staff. Is it a, a bit more... I guess uh, easier or settled now that I'm, I'm guessing everyone is sort of spread out a bit, not living in each other's pockets. You've you know rented houses and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's right. So um, unlike the last two years, we've we've sort of allowed everyone and created an environment where everyone can go and find their own places to live. And um, you know, I think that's really been helpful for everyone to settle in and settle down. And um, you know, everyone's happy and they found their own little place and. Brisbane or Redcliffe and um, you know when they come to training you know it's really it's really good because you know they're not living together and working together in, in this case um, they come to training get to see each other and you know that's really enjoyable. 
Um, are they spread out around Brisbane? I know it's a little bit of a hike from sort of inner Brisbane to, to Redcliffe. Are they spread out a bit or...? Yeah, there's guys living, you know, as far away as half an hour. There's people living two minutes down the road. Yeah. Um, a lot of us are living in and around Redcliffe and a lot of guys are, you know, spread all over the place. So, um, you know, it's, it's wherever they, they felt they suited and, um, you know, for various reasons and everyone's happy, so it's good. I just wanted to ask you, obviously we've, you know, heard talk to the players a lot about um, about the difficulties in, in living away from, from home and everything. Um, how about the staff? And you've obviously got quite a few people that, that help the, the team run over there. How is it for them? Obviously, they're not, you know, they're not kind of people that are on uh, big NRL footballer salaries. Um, I don't know if many of them have their families over there, um, you know, not having maybe the same support network and having, you know, 20 odd of their best mates around them each day? How, how have the staff hand, um, found it? Uh, yeah, it's a really good point. The un, you know, they're, they're really the unsung heroes. A lot of our, our staff that are here um, and staff back home, it's, you know, it's impacted on on both over there and here. And, you know, some staff members here without their families for, for various reasons. And, you know, they're doing it just as tough as the players have been. And, um but, you know, there's good support around them and, and, and that's really important we do that. And um, you know, now the footy's about to start, it keeps people a bit busier. Um, and obviously with the border situation now, you know, it gives the potential for families to travel over and school holidays and so forth. So um, all in all, they're, they're doing well. But it's, it's, it is what it is and we, we knew that and we, we know what we've got to do and that's the reason they're here. And, um, you know, that's notwithstanding the challenges that some of them have got with their families not here, but there's good support around them. Uh, and you mentioned the staff back in Auckland. Um, how is morale there? Is it sort of hard to keep them engaged or uh, and feel part of it, or are they um, you know just, yeah. just as pumped as well, the season? Yeah, it season? Is, it's, it's difficult. Uh, you know, they're working day and night over there as, as much as the guys are here, but the difference is, you know, everyone here gets to enjoy the footy. Um, so it's you know, but the, they understand the situation, and um, you know, not every job's required to be here. And you know, for those that aren't, they're back there and doing their best. And what they do back there in New Zealand is very important to the whole operation. So they're no, they're in no lesser important roles. It's just the location; those roles don't need them to be in Brisbane. Uh, is it starting to feel like a permanent return home is more within reach now, given the current? COVID climate and New Zealand border announcements and that sort of thing, or have there been too many false storms for you to think that far ahead and do much planning? Um, a lot more confident now, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of water going on the bridge yet, a lot of changes still occur and, and so on, but I think we're heading definitely in the right direction. We, um, as a footy club, we're very excited about hopefully later in the year we can play footy games back in New Zealand and then and then next year, uh, be back home permanently. So, um, yeah, it's definitely heading in the right direction for that to be on the table. Uh, you announced the uh, cancellation of the the uh, first possible uh, game back home against Penrith. Um, is there likely to, given if things stay as they are, do you think you'll be able to play the rest of those games that were scheduled for Mount Smart? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're <laughs> got a big red circle around the 3rd of July. Uh, against the West Tigers Sunday afternoon at Mount Smart, um, that would be a special day, and that's you know 
quietly confident with everything the way it's going that you know we'll be back home playing there. So that's going to be very, very, um, you know, very, very satisfying when we get that uh, get that approval. Yeah, I think we're all dreaming about that one. We'll sort of be up there with the the first game in '95 and the double hitter in 2018. I think for atmosphere. Um, yeah, all of us can't wait. Uh, has there been anything from your point of view about the way uh, that you've learned from the way you've run the club under these circumstances um, while you've been in Australia that will sort of change how you run things um, when you're back in Auckland under normal circumstances? Not really. I, I think I think what if it's operationally is what works, but I mean um, it's probably been more reinforced to us that communication is a key for everything um, it, it is something that you need to do you know, more often than not and um, you know throughout this whole pandemic process for three years now um, you know the, the communication amongst the groups what got us through so when we go home we don't want to you know forget things that really improved us as a group and, and really improved the club and get the club together in a lot of ways um, is, is the communication among staff and players and that's something personally I can continue to drive and um, you know, that's the one key learning just operationally but you know, the reality is we get home, we're playing football and we're going to train hard, work hard um, both off the field and on the field and, and you know, satisfy our fans and our sponsors and that's just continuing to work harder and harder and, and don't take being at home for granted. Um, the Dylan Walker signing this week, it sort of came for, from left field to a certain extent. Uh, it's not often a, a signing of that magnitude um, gets announced by the club without any sort of whisper uh, through the media or any other channels. Um, did that come together pretty quickly or has it been, have you been eyeing off uh, Dylan for a little while? Uh, we've been talking off and on for a little while with Dylan. Um, I went to Sydney and had a catch up with him and, and um, you know that, that just obviously the way which we, which it was managed was you know really well done by Dylan and us. There's no you know, there's no benefit in playing things out in the media or leaking things out or having things leaked out, whichever or whoever or how they do it. Um, the key is just you know start your conversations and keep them professional and keep it tight. We did all that, and he, he's a terrific guy. He's a real competitor. Um, and he'll add a lot of value to our, our squad uh, for next year, which is which is really good. So he wants to come to the Warriors. That's a, a really key thing, and, and you know that's that's a decision he and his family made before we talked in any further. We we asked him about wanting to be a Warrior. That was that was a really important answer we wanted to hear, and he took some time thought about that and responded accordingly, and we got a deal done. So very happy to secure someone of uh, his calibre. Um, Sean Johnson's back at the club. Um, how has he been? How's he changed the energy around the place? And, and I guess what's his uh, contribution been so far? Is it good to see him back around the team? And... Yeah, he's been outstanding, Sean. He's, um, his contribution, his level of maturity, his, um, his insight into the game for the young guys is really beneficial. Um, you know, from his leadership, he's really, really grown in that role. Um, you know, we're just really happy to have him back. He's a power of knowledge and a, and a, and a really influential figure in the right way. And, um, 
you know, I'm hopeful that he starts a year well and he really gets the team going, and I'm sure he will. Um, I think there's a weight of the world on his shoulders as per, uh, you know, his whole career. But um, I see, I just see him, he's a, he's a different style of person and a, and a terrific footballer still, and probably at that stage of his career where he plays it slightly different but just as influential. So um, looking forward to having him back on the park with us. Uh, it's a dream come true for a lot of us fans to see Sean back at the Warriors, and he's spoken about it a lot as well. That you know, dream come true for him to be able to pull the jersey on again. Uh, for you, for you personally, how does it feel to have been you know a big part of bringing him back to the club? You know, having been at the helm when he did leave. Yeah, look, it was it was it was really good. Um, you know, obviously, what happened in the past happened, and and um, I know. Uh, I could have handled things better during that as well, um, without a doubt. And uh, to the point where, you know, it was a real consideration. I rang Sean, had a one-on-one chat with him, and, you know, it was really good to have that chat with him. And, um, you know, I, I, as I said to you, I, I put my hand up and said, oh, mate, I, I could have handled things a, a lot better. And, and I apologise for anything that, you know, I, I, that may have offended you. and. I won't repeat, but that's all learnings. And, and as long as you understand what you could have done better and get it done better next time, that's the most important thing. So once we cleared that air, which wasn't a major at all, but it was just something I felt like I wanted to say to him. And um, it was then a really, you know, it's a privilege to bring him back to our footy club. And I know what it means to our fans and I know what it meant to him and his family. So to be a part of that process and, you know, sign off on it at the end of the day, I was really, really happy to do so. Uh, Reese Walsh, what happened uh, with his uh, off-field indiscretion into last year obviously wasn't ideal, but the, he and the club uh, jumped on it pretty quickly and owned up to it. Um, how has he responded to what happened there? Do you think he's grown from that? Yeah, absolutely. He's um, look, he, you know, it was a huge mistake, huge mistake, and no, there's no excuse for it. And you're right, the club and Reese collectively... Um, Front-footed it and owned it, and that was really important. I think that's important part part of the whole learning for Reese and and also the club is to to handle things very promptly and swiftly and 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 with the desire to, to own stuff if we get it wrong. Um, now Reese has bounced out of that. He's uh, you know he's come back to training. He's, he's really committed and uh, he, he's doing a really good job on the footy field and he's doing a lot off the footy field. A lot of people don't know about it. Um, he's a terrific kid and uh, I hope he has a really big year this year because he's putting in the hard work and I'd love to see him you know, really establish himself this year. It'd be great. Uh, but the media can't let it go about and potentially you know, leaving the club uh, even at the end of this year and a lot of people seem unconvinced that he'll uh, return to, to Auckland with the club unless they see him with a sold sign outside a house in Ponsonby. Um what sort of, how confident are you that you'll see um, Reese there next year and potentially the year after and beyond? I'm not adding any air to that whatsoever, mate. No um, worries. If the media want to talk about that, that's the media. If other clubs want to talk about that, let other clubs talk about that. But where's the footy club? Reese is contracted here and um, we really enjoy working with him. So he's a terrific kid and he's, and he's just a terrific person. Um, so I'm not going to 
add any fuel to that fire whatsoever. Fair enough. And I'm guessing you'll be the same with Chanel Harris DeVita. There's been a few reports uh, today, Brent Reid um, talking about it. Um, you know, the, there is players off contract. How are you far along with um, with extending anyone? Or and one question I did want to ask is: Has there been a sort of change in recruitment strategy around some of those players uh, since Peter O'Sullivan left? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Poor old Reedy got it wrong yesterday. I spoke to him last night actually, which he's going to re he's going to re um, recorrect himself if that's a word. Um, <laughs> or correct himself. Uh, the, the Chanel case, uh, we put an offer to Chanel and he, he publicly stated that and um, has said that he wishes to wait till after round six. So we're, we're obviously just waiting to see what he and his management want to do. And then I read as much as you did yesterday uh, that his agent has um, asked for expressions of interest. So, um, you know, we put an offer to Chanel back in November. Um, so... I'm not, yeah, so that's that's all I can really say at this point. So, you know, he's a terrific kid. He's he's someone that um, you know has grown up through the club and all that sort of stuff, and um, you know, someone that we we'd love to have uh, have hang around. Uh, good to hear. Um, I just want to touch on uh, Isaiah Papali. The, the old cliche that about players leaving the Warriors and then killing it at the new club is quite over, overblown, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but when you when a player like Isaiah, who was um, outstanding as a as a teenager for the Warriors, earmarked as a potential future Warriors captain, I heard before sort of falling away, but goes on to have the immediate su- uh, success he had at Parramatta. Um, internally, as a club, do you sort of look at why that f- uh, potential wasn't fulfilled? Yeah, look, I think it's um, I think it happens to a lot of clubs. I mean, often do you see players leave clubs and go to another club and. They just find an environment that they excel in. Um, you know, not every club uh, has the right environment for every person within it. You know, and some fit it better than others, and some some uh, some perform really good in it, and some don't. Um, and you know, one of the things that uh, you know, if you use ice or uh, or, or Papalihi uh, as an example, that. You know, moving from New Zealand to Australia is a big shift, and it's a really changed environment, and it's it's a different it's a different feel, and it's um it's something some guys can really bounce into and get something out of, and some of them some of them don't. Um, so I don't think it's just the Warriors. I think you know, obviously, you and others keep an eye on the Warrior players, but equally, we've had a lot of players come to the Warriors from other Australian clubs or other de- other clubs, and, and done really well at our club that they did better than what they did previously so it happens to everyone I um, mean Craig Hodges probably better known to uh, to the average league fan as an assistant or caretaker coach at the Titans and, and then now with the Warriors um, given the GM of football role what does he bring to that role um, what are his sort of main responsibilities and is it sort of similar to what Brian Smith um, had in that role uh, it's probably a lot different to be honest um Hodgie brings an extensive knowledge and experience in development and pathways. Um, he was heavily involved in that in the Brisbane system. Uh, he's a very competent footy coach. Um, as you know, as you touched on, he, um, he had a, a small stint as the head coach as the Gold Coast Titans. He's been assistant coach in a couple of systems. 
uh, and he understands footy. So right across the board, you've got a guy that's played it, coached it at all levels and um, has a real desire and passion for development and pathways. And that's something our club, been behind the scenes for the last couple of years, despite not having any junior teams playing, uh, we've invested heavily in that space. And um, you know, that's something that when Hodge is able to get back home, um, you know, he's going to really focus on and that'll complement what the NRL program's doing. So across the board, he's, uh, he's very competent and very knowledgeable, so uh, he brings a, a skill set that's really strong for that, you know, to have that oversight across those key areas. So is, is he effectively going to be carrying on what uh, Phil Gould put in place during his uh, fairly brief time with the club, and uh, could you give us an insight into um, any sort of framework that, that Phil Gould did leave in place uh, during his time with the Warriors? Yeah, albeit it was short, Gus was extremely influential into what we're doing. Um, you know, we've we employed a, a pathways and development manager. Um, you know, we've got three staff working within it now. They're doing camps. They're doing academy work. Um, they're doing a lot of work for a, for a footy club that hasn't been able to play a game of footy uh, in that in that space for a number of years. So. We're setting it all up and investing in it. So by the time we do have the borders open and we can play, we're ready to go. Uh, we've got a lot of young kids from our academy over here staying with us this year and playing in the in the competition in Brisbane in the Red, for Redcliffe. So you know we we'll, we'll try to get a few kids over here to do that. Um, they're living in clubhouses and so on. So yeah, that, that, they're all things that Gus was very instrumental in putting on the table and Hodgie has picked that up with the other staff and Hodgie's got his own spin on things and um, but certainly Gus is you know was very uh, prominent in the way uh, we looked at things and, and, and discussed things and put things in place for the future. Uh, so do you think it's, it's realistic for the Warriors to sort of build a, a Penrith type development model? Oh, I, I don't know whether they're going to be identical because uh, they've got competitions you know they, they've got so many competitions playing around the local area but we can develop one that suits our our club and, and you know the, the, the core principles of them are, are the same wherever you go but um, you know the size and shape of it might be very different for, for a number of reasons but you know in principle what they've got in Penrith or what they've got in South Sydney or Brisbane will be the same as what we've got in New Zealand and what we're developing there. At the end of the day, you can only keep X amount of kids. Uh, the most important thing is you have programs and that in place and relationships in place that allow you to capture the best kids and be aware of who they are and then it's up to our systems to develop them and, and, and promote the jumper uh, to them that they want to be a warrior and that's that's we're putting a lot of work into that. Um, when things do go back to normal, uh, essentially, what what lower grade teams and feeder arrangements is the club hoping to have? I know before when we talked a couple of years ago, uh, leading into the twenty twenty season, before everything got turned onto its head, that was uh, when the I think the twenties team uh, was pulled out and, and the eighteens um, team was started. Um, is that the sort of program you'd like to go back to, or? Yeah, we we definitely like to have a New South Wales Cup team again, um, and then you know with 18s or 20s 
20s or, or 16s, uh, we're still yet to determine that. Um, we've had preliminary discussions in New South Wales Rugby League and the NRL about our, our, our participation in, in that level. So you know, it's not because, none of this is because we didn't want to do it. None of it's because we didn't plan to do it. It's, it's all because we couldn't do it. And, you know, in 2020, when, when the world stopped, we actually had three teams competing, you know, with the NRL, New South Wales Cup and, and SG Ball. So, um, you know, we're always onwards and upwards and going that way. And um, we had an NRLW as well. And But obviously our, our circumstances just stopped and it changed completely. So we haven't been able to do any of that um, because of things outside of our control. I'm just looking at this year, obviously with the Dolphins getting the NRL licence, um, has that change the dynamic with the Warriors relationship with with Redcliffe Dolphins as it will uh, having influence on selections be harder now that the now that the Dolphins have got a team coming to the NRL is there any tension there between you know them developing their players and, and the Warriors needs um, during the season no they've been very good um, you know at the end of the day we had this partnership in place for this year for this reason um, you know, we always knew that they were favourites for 23. That's why we just did a two-year thing. And, no, they've been great. Um, so I don't see any drama with that whatsoever. Um, just moving on to Nathan Brown. How would you appraise uh, Nathan Brown's performance as the Warriors coach so far? Yeah, Brown, he's good. He's, uh, he's um, had a lot of work to do last year, had a lot of catch-up work to do last year. Obviously, we didn't have the squad together before Christmas. and There was a lot of work to do post that. Um you know, all the injuries and so forth we had throughout the course of the year. I thought he managed it all very well in, in circumstances that, again, were unusual. Um, and we had to make some calls, uh, you know, Roger and Leeson and, and those guys going home. And, um, you know, Brownie's not a selfish coach. He's not trying to coach to win today and forget about the future. He's trying to balance out making sure we can be very successful now, absolutely, but also conscious and, and putting a lot of effort into the future as well um, and that's a that's a really good attribute to have and um, you know he's he's certainly switched to win mode now um, you know, last year was probably a bit of a development phase but um, you know you can sense with the squad he's got and where he's got up to now that there's a real focus on uh, you know result driven outcomes um, as well as continuing to improve uh, with a bit, hopefully a smoother build-up and a kind of run with injuries, uh, more time to sort of mould his own squad. Is there any uh, benchmarks or targets that you and, and Nathan have set together or benchmarks you need to, to reach in 2022 or is it just more about the um, sort of less tangible factors rather than wins and losses? Yeah, uh, I'm not a, we all know what we need to do. Um, he does, I do other people do in the organisation and look, my own perspective is every day we just got to do the best, like any organisation, like anyone going to work, you know, you go there and you do the best job you can and that's what I expect and that's what, you know, he's achieving and um, obviously on the back of that we've got to see results so at the end of the day we're just getting on with it, there's, there's no fear of failure here, we're just going after it and um, you know, Brownie's leading that charge and uh, we just know what we've got to do, so we're, we're really happy with where we're at. 
um, on Mark Robinson. Um, he t- took over the ownership at a pretty challenging time in the game and, and for the club. Um, how important has his support and all Texas support been for you know the situation that you've been in? Wouldn't be here without him. Um, Mark is a outstanding loyal human. You know he um, he took on the club. Uh, obviously got slammed by the the COVID. Uh, not only the footy club but his own business as well but he never walked away from his responsibilities as an owner um, and you know the expectations of him he's been supportive right through it and continues to be supportive um, you know he's got a lot on his plate as well uh, with, with Ortex and um, you know they're, they're going extremely well as a business and if that can um, you know that translates to us being better as well through the learnings and what he does there is it's fantastic. Um, he's a passionate owner and, and one that um, you know I, I wouldn't would never like to see walk away from the from the Warriors or the game. And I, and I know he doesn't want it at all. Um, is he fairly hands on as an owner, sort of decision wise? I know he's quite vocal around the time that um, that Stephen Kearney was let go, and, and it sounded like he had a little bit to do with Sean coming back. Um, haven't heard too much from him in the public space lately. No, he's. He's, he's not hands-on, but he's certainly interested and loves, you know, I love to have him help whenever we can. Um, you know, I never, I, I talk to him three or four times a day um, about everything. And so we're always across everything, him and I, and um, you know, what I don't know, he doesn't know, what he doesn't know. I, I don't know it either, you know, so we, we just, we're both, we're both, uh, we both work really, really strongly together in a very transparent way and I love having him involved in, in things and um, yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way to be honest, it's just a really good, good working environment with him and he's just so passionate about the outcome and, but he's also very street smart and how to do things really well too. I mean, are you, you and Mark and, and Nathan and the club in general happy with the NRL's ongoing support, um, you know, financial and otherwise uh, given that you are the only team at the moment that can't live at home? Yeah, yeah, no, we're very happy. Uh, they've been really supportive. Um, Peter Melandis, his commission, Andrew Abdo, they've been great, um, fantastic. You know, they know we're, we don't want to necessarily go through this, so they've been very supportive. Uh, you know, and he's had, they've had a fine balancing act to do too, you know. They can look after us, but they've also got to try and balance it out with the support for other clubs as well, because everyone's everyone's going through similar things. Uh, there's been a fair bit of, of talk about you know paying the Warriors back for what they've done for the game, which has obviously been enormous. Um, and you know playing a whole season at home, that those sort of um, ideas is is anything like that realistic? Having extra games next year, if we are to be to have you back in New Zealand full time. So, I think it's something that we, as a game, not just the Warriors, but as a game, we need to really give some serious thought. Um, because for a, you know a country and uh, footy landscape that provides so much playing talent to the whole NRL and the supporting competitions. Um, you know, we can't just go back and turn the lights on and hope to God we've got it right. Uh, I think we need to put a lot of work into it and come up with a, 
a strategy that's going to relaunch the sport in New Zealand and that's to both inspire the fans and give them something to come and cheer loud and proud about right through the country and also to inspire the next generation of kids to play rugby league opposed to any other sport. So there's a real responsibility I think we all need to look at and not just, you know, not just go home and go back to the old you know, format of just X amount of home games and, and X amount of games offshore. I really, really think that the NRL should, our away games should be played somewhere else around New Zealand. Um, so whilst they're still away, but they're still in New Zealand, the people of New Zealand benefit from that. That's something that I'd like, hope the clubs and, and the NRL can give some thought to. Um, and lastly, Cameron, I was open the floor to you to, to send a message out to all the Warriors fan base and and, um, and what you're sort of hoping to provide them in 2022. Yeah, look, we, we just, again, it goes without saying the appreciation of this ongoing support. I know it's been tough personally over there, sport aside, you know, uh, for every every person. And, you know, we, we, we you're always in our hearts and thoughts over here there's no place we'd rather be than home uh, when we can get there you know safely and all that sort of stuff we'll, we'll be there and we, we look forward to being a part of you know your life again over there and, uh, our fans have been you know so supportive and loyal our sponsors have been um, you know the, the reality is everyone's stuck really solid and we hope that this year uh, we've got a squad good enough that's going to be make you very very proud and it's going to be hard. It's going to be a lot of hard work. It's going to be ups. It's going to be downs. But hopefully, there's more ups and downs coming out of the next couple of years. And I think we've, we've got a really good squad that can, you know, put a good foot forward and put the best foot forward and rattle a few cages. So, um, what it will be every time we turn up, it's turn up to be a warrior. And 